Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam. I'm joined this week by Don Pizzette. Don, how are you doing? I am doing great. Got an exciting week. Lots of operating system vulnerabilities to talk about. Mac OS, Linux, and Windows. The trifecta was hit, so that'll be a fun one to go over. Uh, and we have a great guest with us today to talk a little bit about cybersecurity careers. So uh, all in all, should be a good podcast. And before we get to her, we have Daniel Lowry. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm a little disappointed that Don missed out on uh, using a hat trick reference. Oh, I could have, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, well, Next time. The rare hat Next time. Yeah. I feel like that happens each week, though. Yeah. That there's some <laughs> kind of exploit on all three of those. So yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a low bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should be there very soon. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're there. Yeah, by Monday every week, yeah. we've hit that. All right, and we are also joined today by our special guest, Lynn Dome, who is the Executive Director of Women in Cybersecurity, or WESIS. Lynn, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me on today. How are you? Uh, no one ever asks how I'm doing. No <laughs> Thank cares. you. Wow, I wasn't ready for that. I'm, I'm good. I had to do a little soul searching. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's obvious yeah. that Lynn just doesn't know you very well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's a, you have a great Zoom. Yeah, that's true. You have a great like Zoom background there with like the the accent wall with the was that is that a tree going on there? A flower? Yeah, that is. Yeah, of some Lovely. sort. This was my COVID project. <laughs> my old office was dark blue with dark furniture, and I just about had it after a year and a half. And I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it nice and bright, and you know pull it all together with some instruments on the side. She took Why down not? the Evil Dead theme. That was the last one. I detect a Midwest accent, so definitely uh, you need something bright and, and uh, sunny this time of year, <laughs> right? That's for sure. We're preparing for the storm. I, notif- I just turned off my notifications as those storm warnings are coming in right now. Oh, wow. So definitely, we had a 24 degree morning last week here in Florida. We did. Yeah, it was cold. So, it was a panic. I mean, and and it, it only got up to like 60 that day. I so. preemptively <laughs> shot my neighbor <laughs> and procured cool. his and drove to the interstate. Yeah, the interstate. Escalade. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Well, uh, Lynn, let's get to know you a little bit more today uh, in our first segment, which is rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? (laughs) All right, Lynn. In this segment, we are going to do rapid-fire questions. A timer will appear on the right side of your screen. You'll have approximately one minute to answer each question. If you take too long, Peter will buzz you like that, and we'll move on to the next question. We're going to rotate uh, so you'll get questions from each of us. We're going to start with Peter. Oh, yes. (laughs) All right. uh, So my question is just, can you give us a little bit of an overview of the organization? Sure. Uh, Well, we're Women in Cybersecurity. We're a nonprofit organization. We often go by our acronym WECYS, which is W-I-C-Y-S. We pronounce it WECYS, like we sisters. That's exactly what we are. We're a cyber sisterhood. And our mission is to recruit, retain, and advance women in cybersecurity. So we have over 5,300 members with representation in over 70 countries. We have 43 professional affiliates in Africa, Australia, Canada, France, India, Pakistan, the UK, and throughout the United States, and over 150 student chapters. So we're this big global organization, and what we do is we create opportunities for women to be upskilled and up-level in their careers, preparing them for their next level of cybersecurity advancement. All right, no now- buzzer? No, 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 you did it. That was great. Nailed it. So uh, 
I, I feel like it, it's it's really just been the last three or four years that we've seen a huge push for women in tech in general. A lot of college programs and other initiatives out there to help encourage more women to get in the technology field. Uh, in that time, do, do you feel like we're making progress? Have things gotten better? Or are we still at the same place we were a few years ago? Well, it does depend on how you're looking at it. So when WISA started, it started as a conference back in 2014. And that was a time where women represented 11% of the cybersecurity workforce. So if you fast forward to 2021 and ISC squared cybersecurity vendors, there's a lot of reports that came out that women are representing roughly 20 to 24% of the cybersecurity workforce. So we are making progress, that's for sure. And then women in IT in general is about 25%. I mean, but we make up 50% of the global population. So, and we've been in the workforce for over a hundred years. So whether those numbers are really, you know, the progress that we'd like to see, likely not. Um, so that's why organizations like WESIS and many others are contributing to the workforce at the capacity that we are. So what would you say is the big contributing factor to the increase and the continual, hopefully increase, right, of uh, the female representation? Well, as you just said, the support structure, you're just witnessing yourself and and the experiencing it, that now there's support in place and there's representation of women in the workforce. So ultimately, it's hard to be what you cannot see. So to be able to cultivate the power of the community, to have upskilling and up-leveling opportunities, training programs, and many different initiatives is really important. That inclusion and diversity effort in the cyberspace and in the tech space is still a, a slightly newer conversation. Prior to 2014, it really wasn't discussed much. So we're making progress because of the strength of the community and identifying that there is this gap, that we are at a critical cybersecurity workforce shortage, that the WESIS organization, we're not a woman-only organization. We're comprised of men, women, allies, and advocates that all have a strong mission and passion to build up the cybersecurity workforce because we're a shortage and we need the capacity to be built. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that shortage here in a second as well. But uh, you kind of answered the next question I was going to have, so I'm going to skip ahead. But uh, you know, as as three guys here in, in the industry, we're you know we're talking about this problem. But what can what can we do to help? You know, because it's maybe not something that that we see a, as much. It doesn't hit as home for us. So you know, how can we be allies? What can we do to to help the effort? I think you're doing a fabulous job doing what you're doing. You're bringing awareness to the conversation. You're collectively using your voice as allies and advocates to not only um, identify women as the cybersecurity professionals that they are, but also to be the collective strength to be able to bring up these words, like what is allyship? What is advocacy? And what does that look like? And what difference does it make for women in the workforce. So I think you're doing a great job doing what you're doing by inviting me here. Look at us now. So thank you for that. Yeah. I, I was just looking for uh, accolades there. Some praise. Listen <laughs> yeah. yeah. for compliments. What else am I doing well? If you, could, yeah. <laughs> if you were to rate my awesomeness on a scale of 10 to yeah. 10. <laughs> awesome or really awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, let, let's shift gears a little bit to our next segment. And, and you brought up the workforce shortage. So uh, let's see, I've got, we've got the number here that you uh, had. So uh, 
as an industry, it's projected to grow 33% through 2030, which makes sense. So much is moving, uh, you know, online and digital. And so obviously cybersecurity is going to be a huge part of that because uh, we have to protect all that information. So so how, how do we still have a work shortage when uh, when there's so many opportunities there? I, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is, it's like a maddening situation that here we are with the projected growth of the cybersecurity workforce where it's at right now, um, at 30% growth rate, um, zero unemployment, um, endless job opportunities, and we still have this critical workforce shortage. So, in 2014, that was exactly when the conversation started to be brought about, about what does this inclusion and diversity effort look like and how are we gonna build up the capacity? And we could continue to go around and around about the, the different ways of um, you know hiring practices in the workforce. I mean, it's the same with cybersecurity, with IT. There's antiquated ways that everyone seems to be repeating with their hiring practices like not using uh, gender neutral terms or taking risks in their hiring or the three to five years experience. I mean, three to five years experience with advanced certifications for an entry level position. Those are all the conversations that we keep on going around with. But when it comes to the barriers for women in the cybersecurity workforce, a lot of times it boils down to the lack of awareness, the lack of visible role models, the access to mentors. And really that's where WESIS is filling this void in this space, is providing many different initiatives, um, mentor-mentee program, and, and just ways to upskill and up-level women so that they could just continue to prepare for their next level. So uh, progress is being made, but according to CyberSeek, I mean, we have close to 600,000 open positions in the United States alone in cybersecurity. So why is this going on is a question that we're still continuing to plug along and answer. You know, we uh, we, we heard a, an interesting statistic a, a few months ago, and I don't remember the actual number, so I'll just kind of generalize it a bit. But uh, it was saying how when, when you look at a job listing, and the job listing is, is listing out all sorts of requirements for what you need to know to do that job, that uh, on a whatever the statistical average was, men seem to be more comfortable applying for jobs where they didn't meet all the requirements versus where women were more would, would tend to be kind of turned away from jobs where they felt like they didn't hit those requirements. You know, they didn't hit 100% of what was being asked for. Uh, ha have you seen that or do you have any experience with, with people asking you about that same thing? Yes, that is a conversation we often have. And I've experienced that myself where men could look at the job requirements and be like, yeah, you know, I have a general, they do a little Google search. They have a general understanding of 40 or 50%. And they, they're taking, you know, they're just jumping right in, diving right in and going into that uh, interview process where women are um, a little more mindful and a little perhaps more critical of themselves and their own skill sets and really wanting to identify having strong skills in 80 to 100% of what's in those job requirements. So a lot of times it's coaching on, you, you know, doing it afraid, apply for that job, maybe not knowing everything, taking the risk on yourself and building up that experience through, you know, through um, gainful employment opportunities from there. All right. So if you had a chance to give just like one piece of advice to a, a woman that's moving into the cybersecurity career field, uh, what would that piece of advice be? 
it would be dive right in. Cybersecurity is an ecosystem. And no matter where you enter, there is no clear pathway. It is all over the place. And people have been experiencing navigating through the ecosystem every step of the way. So just dive right in, join forces um, with others once you get into your career and continue to navigate from that po point moving forward. Because it is fast paced. It is challenging. It is, there's nothing but problem solving, but that's the career. That's the pathway. So embrace the moment and dive right in, do it afraid. So, and um, know that there's a community here supporting you. So, so we've talked about what women can do. We've talked about what allies can do, but I'm curious, what do you tell the, uh, the hiring manager, the HR person who is saying, look, there's a shortage right now, as, as we've said here, I've just got to hire whoever I can, you know, man, woman, anything. I just need, I need someone to fill this job. And so I, I sure I'd like to go out and, and, and find women, but I, I want to just, I want to find someone to fill this job first. Right. And we, and those conversations are definitely being had. And that's why we're really proud of the employer partners that partner with us. And it's all about thinking outside of the box. And where are the women organizations? Where are the underrepresented populations? And how can you connect and level up those women and underrepresented in the skills and the jobs that you're looking at? So, and understanding that cybersecurity is forever an apprenticeship experience. Even if you come in with a set of skill sets, you still have to learn the new tools and the new skills that are part of the culture of the new organization. So anyone in cybersecurity is a forever learner. There is no true expert that knows it all and can do anything because it's an ever evolving career in general. To solve those problems that have never previously existed before, you have to know to ebb and flow and navigate your way through it anyways. So you might as well take more risks with your hiring and, and uh, grow the most diverse of your cybersecurity teams that you can. Makes sense. All right. So if people want to find out more about this, how they can help, how they can get involved, uh, what, what's the website for the organization? It's WISIS.org. So W-I-C-Y-S.org. Easy enough. And, uh, and you guys have an event coming up, right? We do. We do. So we started it's like our signature in-person event. We started as a conference back in 2014. And um, each and every year we grow and grow that conference. So it's women in cybersecurity and we'll likely have between 1,500 women in cybersecurity, 10% male, will be there as well. And so it's a really unique conference because one, we're the flagship conference for women in cybersecurity, and we've remained a significantly large women in cybersecurity conference. But regardless of gender, we are the only cybersecurity conference that has equal representation of students and professionals. So for every single regular registrant, we issue a female cybersecurity student scholarship, and we continue to have that cycle of paying it forward at a technical conference where others are there to mentor and network and connect and grow professionally as well. So it's a really unique model that started way back when by our founder, Dr. Amberine Siraj, and we continue to preserve the integrity of it each and every year. So it has a lot of energy. It's a good vibe. We'd love all of you to be able to attend the WESIS conference sometime, yeah. but it's coming up March 17th through the 19th in Cleveland, Ohio. Great. And same website, they can find information or links to that. Yep. Fantastic. All right, Lynn. Well, we, we really appreciate it. Like we said, it's an, an important issue. And, and uh, you know, the the uh, 
the workforce shortage uh, as well is a big issue, you know, even beyond just just gender. So, you know, definitely something that's important for us to talk about. And uh, as we're we're trying to get people hired uh, all the time, we've got <laughs> everybody's looking for people. So <laughs> not just cybersecurity, but we thank you for uh, so much for taking the time with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to. And uh, and all of you stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to look at the news on TechNATO with Don Bazette. Stay tuned. This is Josh. Josh spent $2,500 on a week of classroom training for CompTIA A+, and got certified. Josh got a good job that pays $40,000 per year. This is Jeremy. Jeremy only spent $299 on a full year of training from IT Pro TV, including A+, and 300 other courses. Jeremy also got a great job that pays $40,000 per year. Jeremy used the more than $2,200 he saved on IT training for a fabulous tropical vacation. Now Jeremy is still using his IT Pro TV membership to study for Network Plus and Security Plus to advance his career, but not spending any more money. Since all three are in Included in his IT Pro TV membership, plus 300 more courses. Don't be like Josh. Choose IT Pro TV for your IT training. All right, welcome back to TechNATO with Don Bazette. A lot of news to get to this week. We were discussing just in the break, Don, hard to choose stories this week. Yeah, you know, I normally try and find a little bit of a balance between like Mac, Windows, Linux, and new <laughs> stuff and security stuff. And this week, like everybody had a major security exploit and there's a ton of crazy things it, going on. It was exploit week. It really was. <laughs> right. It really was. Yeah. It's nice that they plan that. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Everyone can really get together is. and get them out of the way. Well, uh, our first article is actually kind of the opposite, trying to defend against things. So this one comes to us from techradar.com. Some special Microsoft 365 accounts will now receive stronger protection than the rest. And this just makes me think of like Twitter with the little verified thing. Like, how, how do I get one of these special accounts that's actually secure? Well, in this case, it's going to be tied to your Office 365 administrator or your Microsoft 365 because they rebranded, right? Uh, but basically, when you set up Microsoft 365 and you start adding user accounts to it, it treats every user equal. Well, that gets a little bit annoying if you're like, if you're like me, you know, I, I have an admin account in Office 365 and I, I get security alerts all the time. And sometimes they're for really important accounts, like the CEO's account. Sometimes they're for pretty unimportant accounts, like a contract instructor or like something mine. like that. I was gonna say, like like Peter's. Yeah. <laughs> but they all come in with the same priority level. And so what they're doing is they're introducing some new features to help help kind of filter that, to say like, hey, if there's a security alert generated off the CEO's account, that's a higher priority. That's going to show up at the top of the dashboard and, and be the first one that you see versus some of the other ones. But Microsoft can't predict for you which ones are your important accounts. So it's up to your account administrator, whoever the, the Azure admin is or, or whatever for your environment, to go in and actually flag the users as critical. So this feature is rolling out next month. Well, they're saying March or April. So it's, it's rolling out very soon. Uh, and you'll be able to do that. Go through and designate. And at a minimum, you'll want to do any admin account you have. Obviously, that one's going to need to be flagged. And then your your C-suite of executives, generally, those are the ones that are targeted by phishing attempts and so on. And maybe accounting, too, because we, we see a lot of those. Yeah. Uh, Business this, email compromise. Yeah, where you're, you're getting an invoice that's... Uh, not really should be paid. So. Speaking right. of business email compromise, we should have had this. I, I read an article the other day that said they had arrested a bunch of 
uh, the BEC boys oh, or whatever. The, what do we call uh, those guys? The yeah, ones in... Uh, I forget the name. Yeah. We the Yahoo boys. About. Yes. Yahoo boys. Uh, the bunch of... In, in the jerky Africa. boys. <laughs> the jerky boys. They, but really interesting. So that made us safer. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, did they get the... What, what did we learn? The Yahoo boy plus? Yeah. Plus. I, I don't know. Honestly, the Diamond I Club? I remember that. The, <laughs> yeah, the Admirals. Yeah. The Admirals. Yeah. This guy paid for They've a lifetime. They've killed three <laughs> people this month and stolen $15 million. Bring <laughs> so-and-so to the stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so it's neat that they're doing that. And just if you are somebody who administers a Microsoft 365 account, uh, keep an eye out for that feature to drop here in the next few weeks so that you can jump in and designate critical users. So I totally read this article wrong. <laughs> I did too. I was thinking it meant that the that CEO they would... was stupid. Therefore, we need to have more security. No, I thought it meant that they would give yeah they would give more security uh, like protection to that account not that they right. would prioritize it in right. in like a workflow and yeah. i'm like why wouldn't you just give that protection to all well, accounts rewrite emails be like so for you <laughs> good folks that read on the third grade level don't click this link even though there's a link here uh-huh. <laughs> so that they already do some of that like if you have an e5 license you know an e3 license is pretty standard for most companies so if you have an e5 license there's some extra security features on your mailbox and other things so this is a little bit different they i don't believe there's a cost associated with this is really just about prioritization nice well hopefully it helps us out right because there is a bunch of targeted attacks going straight for those mm-hmm. uh, so, so that's going to increase the uh, level of security i do kind of feel bad now like i'm a lowly surf in the kingdom of, you know, <laughs> IT Pro TV or ACI or whatever, as I'm not getting priority emails. Whoever signed you, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Just click on a couple of those. I don't know anymore. I'm horribly confused. <laughs> click on a couple of those links. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get the added protection. Perfect. Yeah. I'll do yeah. that. I'll do that. All right. Our next article comes to us from ArsTechnica.com. Mac OS 12.3 will break cloud storage features used by Dropbox and OneDrive. Uh, betas add universal control for Mac OS and Face ID support for face masks in iOS. So that's a separate part, actually. And that's yeah. interesting, by so the petting. way. The face mask stuff? Yeah, like, yeah, like cover all your face, but we're still going to use that as the protection. we can still know pr- it's protection. you. Okay. Or can we? I mean, my phone yeah. confuses me with James Hetfield, so. Sure. Certainly. Well, yeah. well when you're yeah, wearing sunglasses and face mask, you're, you're still well, fine. We got you. I mean, you. Siri never gets anything wrong. We, we can so. tell by your ears. I just assume they add that sinless perfection over to their facial recognition, and we got sure. a, a gold mine. Here. All right, I, back to the... Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I don't think James Hetfield is who it would pick. I think it would be more like, if you're wearing a mask, maybe Telly Savalas. Well, it, here's my voice. <laughs> it thinks I'm James Hetfield. I, I've literally been watching like Metallica documentaries, and my phone go, what was that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I didn't say nothing. <laughs> James I don't have any did. Metallica. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. You got to so, do the yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was trying yeah. to do. It, yeah, but I, I, I was more like, uh, like Eddie Vedder there. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> this has devolved real quick. By All right. The way. So, so as someone in, with a Mac here that has OneDrive installed, I'm concerned. So okay, you should be. What do I do? <laughs> so, so usually this is the time of the year that Apple slows down on new features because we are just months away from WWDC, the big conference where they announced the newest update to macOS. So uh, macOS 13 will likely be announced here in the next couple of months. But Apple is not slowing down. Instead, they're rolling out some new security features and other things that are wreaking a little bit of havoc. Now, this isn't in production yet. So this is something that's come out in the betas for macOS 12.3. In the latest beta, they've changed the way that file permissions and security are handled, and it completely breaks the API that any file synchronization software uses. So that's most visible with products like Dropbox or Microsoft's OneDrive. 
but it also breaks other things like if you use Google's drive Google and backup, drive, you know, yeah. those things, uh, they all they all break as well, right? So simple file synchronization, the that that interface that was present is gone or heavily restricted in 12.3, so it breaks it. Now, that doesn't mean you're just out of luck and that's it. It means Dropbox and Google and Microsoft are all having to rewrite their client and update it to interface with macOS 12.3. Until you hear from them that, yeah, we support it, it's probably a good idea not to update to it. And we'll see if Apple decides to hold it for a later update or, because it's still betas, right? So that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be part of 12.3. But right now, it's a big red flag. Yeah, I actually use the web portal for most of, of my OneDrive uh, stuff. But I know a lot of people here that that use that automatically where they have that certain folder that, that just syncs up. So that would break yep. for them is what we're saying. I've been bit by that bug before, and it ain't fun. Yeah. yeah. And that's why... Uh, well, you know, that's why I always want to be careful with updates like these. Yeah. And there's some other really significant updates that are going on behind the scenes that the, this particular article doesn't mention. Uh, for example, macOS, since forever, really, for a long, long time, has packaged Python with the operating system. So when you install or when you get a new Mac, it's able to run Python scripts right out of the box. Uh, well, unfortunately, it's been Python version 2 for a long Which time. Is like out of support since 2020? Yeah, for right? over, over yeah. a year now. I guess over two years. Yeah. So it's been a while since it's been supported. And people have been wondering when they were going to replace it with Python 3. Well, in macOS 12.3, we finally find out what they're going to do, which is they've gotten rid of Python. <laughs> <laughs> like all together? All together. Oh. Well, and so... That solves the issue. When you get a brand new Mac, uh, if it's running 12.3 or newer, it won't be able to run Python scripts out of the box. Uh, instead, you'll have to install Xcode, which brings along Python 3, or install Python mm -hmm. using Homebrew or some other product. So little changes like that can really shake up your day, especially if you've got a lot of automation tools written up and if you're a power user. Yeah. I mean, that's not a huge deal. I, I find that from time to time you know both of us are kind of linux users mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and you know not every linux distro has the same everything in it there's some core things you expect to have in there but if python were not involved we'd be like python oh okay uh apt get install python. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm done in in two minutes so hey, I, I think i feel like when you get a new computer you're kind of doing those housekeeping things getting your environment set to the way you like it anyway so them removing it for me would not have been yeah. a big like, deal breaker so normally it wouldn't be a big deal for me because like I would say, hey, just bring it up in a container or something. Oh, right. You can have whatever yeah. you want inside of a container. Yeah. But thanks to the new M1 Max, the like Docker is still not officially oh, yeah. supported on the M1 Max. And so it's, it's a weird time for Max right now. Yeah, we've got to get everybody. I've, I've noticed that Apple kind of just cooks up some hot ish <laughs> and then says and everybody gets to eat it. I mean, it's amazing. This thing runs awesome. You know, once everything runs on it, yeah, then it's yeah. going to be awesome. You're going to love it. it. It's like Microsoft. You know, yeah, they, they do, do the every same other. Thing. Yeah. Here's, here's your Windows 8. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want Windows 8. Shut up, need to Windows 8. Or oh, okay, Vista. You know, there were several where they were like that, and and uh, they give you this steaming file, and then right, yeah. But but a year or two later, the the next version comes out. Everything, you know, all the bugs are worked out, the and you're, you're in business, edition, right? Yeah. The <laughs> yeah, I really want to play this because we always used to say that uh, Windows beta. Te uh, you get to beta test Windows for them oh. and get to pay for it. Free charge. Yeah. yeah good for you. Python. Python. Or Python. Python. I'm not dead. Yeah, you know, Python doesn't come up on the show all that yeah, often, so I you got to use the... By the way, I did, I, while you guys were talking about computer stuff, um, I looked up... Uh, uh, <laughs> he was, he was I, checking his eBay list. A, a headline, if you want to play real quick, Python, Python, or Python. I'll give Go you for one. It. All right. Um, uh, keyboard warriors 
Python. That is in order. Keyboard Warriors. I'm going to go with actual Python. Okay, and by the way, we're like saying, snake. is it Monty Python? Is it the snake? Or is it the, uh, the programming language? Uh, I'm going to go programming language. Okay, so you're saying actual. Well, you went snake, snake every single time I know. I have in the actual that. game, right? right. <laughs> so, wasn't fair of me, but uh, you are correct, Daniel. Snake catchers, hey. reprimand keyboard warriors after video of Balato Python rescue goes viral. Hey. I don't know what they were mad about, but they were that's not what this show is about, so we're not going to get right. into it. Yeah. Well, there we Moving go. Moving on. But something to look up on your own there uh, in your own time. But yeah, just do what I do. Um, going back to, to the Mac thing. Don't install updates, and Perfect. you won't run into this problem. You'll run into a whole slew of other problems, but it won't be your OneDrive or yeah. Dropbox not working. I'm maintaining your computer for you, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. you know. yeah, you're like, I, I can't continue to mine Bitcoin if yeah. I'm not putting these updates not on here for you, Peter. cranking correctly, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for that. All right, next up uh, from AppleInsider.com, Apple pays record $100,500 to student who found Mac webcam hack. And so this was a hack that affected both Macs and iPhones, right, Don? Uh, no, actually, this one really just affected the Mac OS. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so this this particular, you know, they call him a student, but this guy's like yes. way beyond student he's level. He's very smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's actually found numerous exploits, and he has found oh, iOS. Oh, that's where, yeah, it yeah. previously discovered an iPhone and a Mac camera. Correct. And his focus has always been on the, the webcam. Like, he just yeah. he really understands that subsystem. And if you read through his write-up... Like, Between I, his underwater basket weaving class, yeah. that's where he's a student. So th this <laughs> article is on Apple Insider, but if, if you go and actually pull his write-up of it, yeah. it's, it's... It's super detailed. It's very obvious. He really understands the subsystems the page, of Mac OS. That took me forever to get through the article. I was like... Oh, the scroll bar is like this big. Yeah. There's a lot of info in here. Just when you think you're at the end of it, he's like, and now let's talk about what we just talked about, but in detail. Well, like, what the hell what? were we just doing? So he's got this big write-up of the, the exploit, which is pretty significant. And then at the end, he's like, oh, by the way, here's another thing I found while yeah. I was in there. And here's another, like this interesting yeah. stuff. So it really, it was a, it's a good read it is if a good you want to learn how yes. people find these exploits. Um, but what he was able to do was to daisy chain a couple of vulnerabilities together to achieve some really impressive access to a Mac that basically you could browse to a website and get a prompt asking you whether or not you wanted to open up a, a PNG, an image file, right? Now, for most people, image files are pretty safe. Yeah. And so people don't think of that as a risky one. And the dialog box that Apple gives you is open, which is chosen by default, or not now, right? Not now is an interesting yeah. one. It's kind of a passive term. Like yeah. It's not don't open. It's it's safe. It's just whether you want to open it now or later, right? Yeah. And and so people will tend to hit open uh, and it will download an actual PNG. So not a big deal, right? But he found some vulnerabilities in the back end of how Safari on Mac OS stores offline web pages for access using a web archive format. And the security in it, when daisy chained with a couple of other CVEs, allowed him to basically swap out that PNG for an executable whenever he wanted, even after you had visited the site. And once that was done, he could then remote execute and gain full access to your system. He had an escape where he could get out of Safari's sandbox. And from there, he could access really anything, web camera, microphone, file system, mm. everything. It was really impressive. It's a veritable smorgasbord of uh, capabilities once you got access to this thing. Which he, he did a responsible disclosure for. He it, reported it to Apple. They actually took about six months taking care of it. And, it sounds like it not just up. one fix, but they yeah. had to fix each step. He didn't step even around. release his findings until they had it fully patched. That's nice. Yep. 
Uh, and so. then they they paid out. Now, Apple has a policy that says they'll pay up to a million dollars for a bug bounty. Uh, this is the biggest one they've issued so far at 100500 uh, but it turns out they've actually issued a couple at a hundred thousand already. So this is just yeah. five hundred bucks above. Doesn't sound so great. Did like you then, did but. you see some of the comments that were talking about like uh, whether or not this was worthy of even more money? Uh, it was very interesting. A lot of people were like, because yeah, it should compound. Well, so maybe. so Apple's bug bounty program says that they can pay up to a million dollars. Yeah. Right. And this guy got a hundred thousand five hundred bucks. And one person was like. What does Apple consider to be worthy of a million dollars? This seemed pretty effing significant. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was like, they got a point there. What well, would constitute a million dollar bounty in Apple's eyes? I, I can think of two reasons why this wouldn't be as significant. So first off, you do have to click on something. True. Right. So the user True. has to do something. They have to go to a malicious page or whatever, and they have to click yeah. open or okay, whatever. So that that. But only once. Reduces the risk. Only once. Right. Yeah. But it does reduce does the risk it? of it. Yeah. And the second thing is they have to use Safari. That's right? also true. So it's and, very rare. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, we're, we're talking 15 people yeah. at risk. Tops. All grandparents. Tops. Yeah. Yeah. All grandparents. And and this is a bug that could be fixed by a half-inch piece of electrical tape over the camera. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. No, that's no, not no, true. That's, I, know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just, that solves one of the bugs. Yes. One of the bugs. It mitigates. Yeah. It you doesn't can't see solve. Me anymore. It mitigates. Yeah. But it does. I mean, let's say that that wasn't the case. Let's say that there was no pop-up. I have full ABL. Would they then give him a million bucks? Like, what does... That's a that's the question I want to know. What are your constraints around? You can, this is worth a million. You can make my bucks. Mac catch fire from well, there. Maybe the other thing is know. though that Apple Apple does not disclose their payouts, right? right? So this guy he came out and the said, "Here's what Apple paid me." Right? Yeah. So it's possible that people have already gotten a bigger true. payout and just not announced it. That is true. Apple's got so much money; a million bucks to them is not. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, because they're saying this is the record that we know of. Correct. So it, it, it very well could be someone else's been been paid higher. Food for Very thought. Very interesting. Food so uh, true story. So, like you said, already already fixed. Yep. Do your updates. Um, do your updates um, and break Dropbox or don't use <laughs> break Safari. Dropbox. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just a yeah. Piss <laughs> on Apple Day, isn't it? Don't click on images. <laughs> well, I mean, well, you're, I mean, in the last thing we were saying, don't update yet if you are using Dropbox. But this is a security update. This is yeah, not necessarily to twelve. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. No, I am wrong. Go ahead. Never you're mind. wrong. <laughs> Mark down the date and time, yes. please. Daniel admitted to being wrong. All right, next up we have one from bleepingcomputer.com. Windows vulnerability with new public exploits lets you become admin, which sounds nice unless it's someone else's computer that you're an admin on. So, yeah, yeah, we've now talked about Apple, um, and now we're talking about about Windows having... I wonder how many administrators have lost administrative... Like uh, rights to their computer and have used public exploits to get, regain them. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, I just got to go yeah. download that. So this this is another one where you do need local access to the machine, right? Yep. So you've got to be able to set out or get a remote console on it somehow. Um, and then assuming you can just get logged in and use the machine, from there, it's pretty trivial for you to be able to bump up and gain system access for any application. So in the, the proof of concept, they showed uh, changing Notepad to run under the system account. And once you can run something under the system account, you've got access to, oddly enough, the system, right? How about that? Uh, which is pretty much everything. So this is a pretty bad one. Um, kind of mirrors the previous article. We could say like, hey, do your updates, right? But what I thought was really significant on this one was that the... The researcher in the last example did responsible disclosure. 
This time they did not. They released this on Twitter, and this was actually a modification of a previous exploit, which also was not responsibly disclosed. And the reason that happened, the the hacker said, uh, Microsoft doesn't pay out enough for their bug bounty. They said, look, if Microsoft isn't going to pay me enough, I'm just going to release this or or likely sell it in some cases because they... It's a they very want to get paid. Thriving community of people like creating hmm. or uh, discovering zero day vulnerabilities and selling them for big bucks on the, the open market. Yeah. So in in this case, this is a, kind of a reflection of what happens. Now I, I do have to wonder, like, if they were able to sell that vulnerability or not. I'm assuming not if they like publicly if posted it. Away, it away. Yeah. Right. And you know what would Microsoft have offered them if it was? I could see like if it was two thousand bucks. So and and, but, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, like if it was two thousand bucks. But the, I think that they were also saying that not only was the pay not great for the bug bounties, but they they have been like incrementally like reducing the yeah. amount you mm. can get. So bugs are not no are they're no longer worth as much as they once were. You could make more from ad revenue on your blog by posting <laughs> right. it, you know posting about right. it. Right. So maybe it's just worth it to them. I mean, if you're a security researcher, like you're you're driving your your guiding star is let's make a more secure yeah. world. And releasing POCs is not the way to go about doing that. Even if you want to affect change, I, I mean, that's I, I get the idea, but I'm not saying I don't think I agree with it. Well, with, let me ask you, yeah. you know, based on these last two articles and that and, and you know that issue, is there uh, besides just a you know just ethics? Are there any regulations saying that, or, or do you think there should be any regulations saying that if you find something, you have to tell them first? You have to, to go through some channel. So uh, responsible disclosure is not required. Right? Right. There's no law that says it has yeah. to be there. However, there's there's lawsuits in several states right now where, I'm trying to remember who it was, as the governor of one state is suing yeah. a hacker. Over like being able to view source or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and saying like, you didn't have permission to test that on the site. Yeah, and I just right click oh, and that, view source. Yeah, is that where they like changed something on the website? Uh, but it was just like their local copy. I, I, yeah. I think I've read it was something pretty yeah. ridiculous. Like yeah, that. yeah. And so you know that's a scenario where like some of these ignorance. politicians, it, it is ignorance, right? Yeah. So they're saying you know we're not going to invest in securing our infrastructure. So instead, if somebody identifies a weakness, we're just going to shut them up. Yeah. That's that's what's I, going on. And I'm not even using the, the term ignorance as a pejorative here. I'm just saying they no, don't know about well, it. Well, if you watch this, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get where you would want yeah. to because it's kind of frustrating. But if you watch the hearings where they were asking the Instagram like person about, well, how do we shut down Finsta? You know, like Finster? Finsta, like the the fake oh, Instagram accounts where someone right. creates a second account right, just right, for right. you know to to yeah. troll people or something. Like, well, turn off that feature. Yeah. Well, well, I don't think you understand what this means. And this is why the technology lobbyists are so effective because they're coming in and talking about something that right. the politicians already don't understand, yeah. and they've got bags of cash. Yeah. So why, why would you say yeah. no? And to they them? could just say like, "You agree that hacking's bad, right? Well, then yeah. just sign this legislation." Yeah. 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 What are you doing? I was going to read this. You read that, and I will stab yeah, you. Interesting. You take so, your money, you pass the bill, and you get the hell out of my face. I mean, it seems like a maybe there would be a benefit to having some kind of you know process in place to say like before you can post this on your blog, you need to have have contacted well, the, the manufacturer. Oh, oh good. I think the system is working. Yeah. I think that, you know, Microsoft does have a, a massive staff of cybersecurity professionals that are working on their operating system trying to secure it. They do an okay job, right? right. Uh, Apple does not have a massive staff. I mean, they do have a security division. It's nowhere near as large as Microsoft's, uh, but they have larger bounties. They pay bounties, and yeah. And so right. if, if I am a bug hunter, 
I'm certainly going to start looking at Apple stuff if they're paying more, and that in turn is going to make macOS a more secure OS. And if Microsoft wants to stay that way, then they would bump theirs. I, I think yeah, the system is working. That's true. And, it's and their choice. I, I see just from my anecdotally, you know, I'm a, a push in the community, the security community, a research security community, to say, hey, you you guys really need to be more transparent with the fact that you've been hacked or uh, something has been found and releasing those details to the public because once that information becomes public, then other people that might have the same issue can look for it and more effectively mitigate it. Yeah, that's a whole different side of it, I guess, to when the company discloses. And they're trying to encourage that openness by being open themselves, the people that are advocating for it to say, hey, I'll be open, I'll be transparent. Yeah, we had a flaw, this is what it was, it affected our users, we may have had data leaks or, or X, Y, or Z had happened, but this is what happened. Here's how we fixed it. Now, if you've got the same problem, you could probably fix it. Yeah. And yep. that increases, again, this security researchers are, their guiding star is to make a more secure world or a digital world and therefore a more real, sec, uh, secure real world. Some of the lofty yeah. goal. Uh, that, that should be, <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, our, next, our next segment here, we're going to delve into the, the conspiracy theories. Ooh. And it's tinfoil hat time. The moon landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? I do. I do. Do we get to use that music under fair use or something? Because we get to use it under. We're not big enough for them. <laughs> One day they're gonna, we're going to be big. And That's how come we back know we've and made it. Like, Get us sued. That's how we know we've made it. Well, you know what? You can have all the earnings from all these episodes then. (laughs) Congrats. All right. This uh, comes to us from the blog askamanager.org, and it's an interesting story. Uh, And the headline is, The new hire who showed up is not the same person we interviewed. I don't know, Don, do you want to start with a recap yeah. here? Yeah. So, uh, so this is an interesting one. A, a lot of companies have transitioned to a remote workforce, right? And and that was that was hard in the beginning. You had these employees who were normally in the building. Now you had to move them out remote. Well, now we've been doing it so long, we're hiring new people. In many cases, people who have never set foot in our building. The interview is remote. You hire them. Their first day is remote. Like It's just a complete remote workforce. And it's opened up a whole new avenue of fraud. Uh, you know... It, Daniel, you and I, we, we've been in the IT industry for a long time, and, and we've worked with IT certifications, right? Yeah. And for a long time, there's there have been stories about where people pay someone else to go and take a test for them, right? I get, I get stuff on LinkedIn all the time, them saying, are you looking to get these types of certifications? Guaranteed 100% pass. Here's how we do it. They even explain. Yeah. Someone's going to take the exam for you. So, so that, that type of, of exam fraud has been going on a long time. College exams have had that, you know, especially with like yeah. the foreign language test. Full you house. hear about that. Yeah, the full house uh, lady. Oh. Uh, a little <laughs> bit different, right? Different. Different. Yeah. Bribing so I just to get a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> so now, though, this is going a step further, which is you hire someone to go and do the job interview for you. There are some people who just don't want to do interviews or they panic, you know, or... Or they, they just, don't have the qualifications. Or there's that. So they... That they, never happens, I'm sure. They hire somebody to stand in for them. That person does the interview, talks smooth, confident, expresses their skill set. And then when the first day of work comes along, it's somebody different yeah, that reports to work. You show up and go, oh, this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> did we meet in the interview? Yes, now, we did. Best case scenario uh, for some, well, I don't know, maybe not best, but uh, but a, a decent scenario is that person is just underskilled, right? Misrepresented right. their skills and they're not good at their job. And you fire them and that's it. 
But worse, like this could be a person who's claiming to have security clearance but doesn't. This could be somebody who's maliciously trying to get company secrets and information, intellectual mm -hmm. property, and leak that out. Like there's a, a lot of risk that happens there when we're having to to mail out a computer for them to use or have them VPN in, give them credentials. Like this is an exposure that makes things really tough with hiring remote. I actually uh, read a story about this person that said, I, I'm losing the best job I ever had. And here's the reasons why I got to work remotely and then I figured out what they wanted me to do. I could easily script mm. and then I scripted it. And I just had a script run every hour that did my job for me. And you told and them then <laughs> they got more like responsibility and they were like, well then I just hired people like on Fiverr <laughs> <laughs> to show them how to run the script they need to run. To so, get more action. So why are they leaving the job? Yeah. He's like, just, they got like a, an even better job. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I could script this one yeah. even faster. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that that's the case here for uh, background checks and things like that. Or they were even saying in the article, check ID at the interview, mm. yep. um, things like that. But, uh, you know, in, in bigger companies or places with unions or government jobs, it'll probably take a few weeks at least to get fired. And, and so you're, you're making some making money some here. Money. Yeah. So the, the, the kind of story or the, the lesson that I got from this was if you're in IT, you deal with HR, you know, human resources one way or another, but maybe not in the hiring process that normally happens. Normally they hire somebody and then you do the onboarding of creating their user accounts and so on. You may want to reach out to your HR department and talk a little bit more about ID verification and make sure that we are validating people's identity prior to them being hired. Uh, and it's as simple as what Peter said. You can ask them to hold up their driver's license on the webcam. And if they don't have the driver's license, there's problem yeah, number one, flag, right? Because yeah. you got to be eligible to work. Uh, and then two, if the picture doesn't match and sure. so on, like simple things, they, they can make a fake driver's license, but it's a little more effort. Yeah. Um, and this story here from, from the art, from ask a manager, uh, once they found out they started or they, they suspected and they got human resources to reach out to this person and the person quit. So they, they just, they kind of knew that the jig was up yeah. and they, they quit. That's great. Yeah. They just said like run, once they got on the call with HR, the, the guy just like, Oh, I'm out. Yeah. Turns yeah. off the webcam gone. But I mean, you, you, you sent this guy a computer, you know, you might've uh, there been hardware involved here. Uh, it, it's definitely something to, uh, to watch out for. And, and an interesting problem it is. And, right? and this one's a good story to read because you know, th there was enough similarity obviously with this person where they were like, is that the guy? Right. They were uncertain. Like, it seems different. And yeah. uh, like the wife was talking about her husband feels like he's going crazy. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because like, no one else had said anything yet until they. I can't like yeah. confirm nor deny that this guy is yeah. not who I, I think he I can't is. say 100% it's not yeah. the guy that we interviewed, but yeah. it's probably not. So, yeah, interesting story. Definitely one uh, that, that is worth a read and something to be careful about as you go through that process, possibly yourself. All right, uh, got a webinar coming up, the Blueprint for a Successful Pen Test, Tips and Tricks to Maximize Your Investment. That is with our own Daniel Lauer here and Ben Fink, uh, and that's going to be taking place Thursday, February 10th at 2 p.m. Head over to itpro.tv slash webinars, and you can register for that and all the past webinars you can see there as well archived. And while you're on that internet, head over to technado.com. You can see the most recent episodes. You can uh, learn more about us. You can send in some viewer mail and let us know what you want us to cover. You can also click that big orange button that says sponsored by IT Pro TV, and you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal membership. Uh, you can also request a team trial if you are part of a, uh, an IT team and want to learn as a group. Uh, a lot of great features available to you, so you can see the demo and all that over there. So uh, check that out, technator.com. 
And uh, yeah, fantastic. Well, this was fun. I'm glad we got to to play a little Python, Python, Python yeah. again for the first time. An in a while. impromptu yeah. Python, Python, Python. We had yeah. a moment. I yeah. saw a story. <laughs> now I got to read that article and find out why they were so upset. Yeah. What were they upset about? And the keyboard warriors. Yeah. All right, thanks guys, and thank you all for watching. We'll see you next week right here on Technado with Don Pizet. 